This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. If he likes to speak his piece when he's on the mic, he's the best, or at least, he's the one you like. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, I think it's going to get a lot less weak. We're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff. We're going to do some things. It's going to be great. I'm going to tell you about a movie I saw. We're going to... We're going to talk a little bit about Nikolai Volkov, we're going to talk about that space flea deal, all kinds of, all kinds of fun stuff. So without, without any further ado, and let's get started on the show! Giddy up. Giddy up again. Giddy up. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. Greatest podcast in the world. That much, that much is definitely true. This is the greatest podcast in the world. The Toys R Us report available every Wednesday at icrobots.com. And I don't know why I gave such a uh, a detailed breakdown. I think that if you're listening, you probably, you probably already know. So the last time you heard from us, we were... We were attacked by a uh, by a squadron of space fleas, and we barely we barely escaped with our lives. Well, we uh the station the station up there, the Jupiter Moon Base, is still they're still fighting those fleas. the The flea bombs are not working to the degree that they like. So this week, this week I am down here on the on the Earth base recording recording live. I am all I'm all by myself, which is. Which is weird. There's no iceberg. There's no there's no engineer Emily. There's no there's no ensign Kate. That was all all pre-recorded stuff. You heard you heard from her. I I'm just sitting here in my office. I I don't know when we are gonna be able to get back to the to the Jupiter moon base. There's actually been a there's been a bit of talk about a, a potential transfer to one of to one of Pooptronic's undersea bases as well. As trying to get um, interstellar, interstellar cellular service, they're also they're also in the business of trying to uh, get some undersea cell service for. I don't know. I, I I've thought about this. I'm thinking maybe maybe the idea is that they're going to be able to offer cellular service to people on cruise ships, people at sea, sailors, seamen, nautical types. I. I can definitely see some kind of use for that. I, I guess they, what do they use to communicate now? Satellites? Radio signals? I don't, I don't even know. It would be, would be nice to corner the market on nautical, nautical cellular service. So there has been a little bit of a talk of a potential, a potential transfer down to a PT Deep Sea One, which is, it's located in a Challenger Trench, which is like, the Marianas Trench, I guess. I don't know. I don't know a lot about the bottom of the sea, but the Marianas Trench is like the deepest, the deepest part of the sea that there is, except for, except for the Challenger Trench, which is like a little bit deeper. It was discovered by um, a, a deep sea probe called the called the Challenger. Oddly enough, uh, there's a there's a Pooptronics base there. It's like six miles at the bottom of the ocean. It's it's pretty harsh, man. I. I like being in Jupiter, but I do got to admit that the the trip there sometimes sometimes wears on you. Sitting in the 
sitting in the Pooptronics branch shuttle while you're getting carted all the way to all the way to Callisto to start the work week. It it's time consuming, man. I I can definitely see some advantages to being under the ocean, but um there are there are disadvantages too. Giant squids, megalodons, things like that. Those those scary giant fish with the giant mouths that have the have like the light up antennas on their heads because it's so deep. Also, there's like the pressure, not the not the stress. I mean, the literal pressure of being surrounded by by bazillions of tons of water. It it'll definitely uh definitely leave you a little fatigued. You know, I I have no scuba experience. I've never I've never done any diving, any any sort of deep sea exploration. But you know, until I got hired on by Pooptronics, I'd never I'd never been to Jupiter either. Maybe. Maybe you're wondering what um Iceberg Iceberg and Emily are up to. They um they're taking some some well needed vacation on Robotropolis. That's a it's kind of like a spa planet for robots, I guess. They they said that no flesh units are allowed there, so I wasn't able to go with them. But um they they uh they seem to be having a good a good time. Uh so we got this we got this new thing. It's called the IC Robots Radio Hotline, and you can reach it at seven zero seven. Five three two jams, and they they left us a voicemail on that. That is a uh, five three two. What are what are the? I'm looking at my phone right here. It is five three two five two six seven five two six seven five three two five two six seven is the number for that. And you can you can call it too. Leave us a voicemail, and I I'll play it on the show if it's. If it's cool, you can even send a text. Send a text, and I will. I'll consider reading them on the air. All options are open at this point, but uh, at this at this present time, Iceberg and Emily they sent this into us, and it's pretty cool, man. It gives you a gives you a fun idea of what they're doing on their trip. Let me uh let me find it here. Let me find it. I am ill prepared for this. I apologize. Here it is. Got to go. Here we go. Hey, man. It's me. So we made it here safe and sound. I know how you worry so I thought I'd call. We're having fun so far. We played some Robo Frisbee and are on our way to take an oil bath in the natural oil springs here on Robotropolis. It's really nice but I think you would think that it's too hot. It's like 500 degrees or so. It feels good on my outer casing. It's really loosening up my joints. Later this week Iceberg wants to go over to this museum that has an exhibit on the history of robot rap music. He heard that they have MC Robot's famous chain on display. You know, the one with the big medallion that was made out of melted down pieces of the robots he has beat in rap battles. He heard it was there and he wants to see if they will let him try it on. I told him that probably won't but he wants to try and ask anyway. That is about it. I have to get going. Iceberg is starting to look annoyed. So, I will see you after we get back. Have fun on Earth. That was nice. That was, that was cool that she she thought to call. Emily's a nice gal, man. It seems like it seems like they're having a nice time on Robotropolis. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind going to that museum exhibit on, on robot rap. I I don't know a whole lot about MC Robo Rock, but that's the that's the dude Iceberg talks about the most when he's talking about. He has like this massive collection of robot rap records, and it sounds like I don't know. It's it's very industrial sounding. The beats are the beats are usually machines, and I don't mean like I don't mean like drum machines. I mean like like industrial style machines, like drill presses and stuff, like rhythmatic drill presses I don't I don't know imagine the sounds that you would hear inside of your junior high metal shop and imagine they imagine they were put in a sampler and used as used as beats it's it's pretty wild but it's what he likes and I guess I'm happy that he's gonna get to go to this museum exhibit and see MC Robo Rock's famous necklace the one that he made from melted down robot components from fools that he's that he's beaten battle. It was also nice that she she hoped I'm having fun on Earth. I'm doing my best. It's it's a bit warm, you know, which is which is fine. If you live in California, you gotta expect you gotta expect to some degree it's gonna be warm. And it's not too warm. It's like 
it's like 85 or 90, which is, you know, it's, it's pleasant, I would say. We, we went to, uh, we went to Bodega the other week, which was fun. Bodega is like, it's like out toward, out toward the sea. There is, this is where you go when you're heading, when you're heading down to, down to the beach. It's a, uh, it's a small little beach community. You got two, you got two separate things. You got Bodega, which is the town of Bodega, which is, which is where they filmed The Birds. If you've ever seen that, that uh, Hitchcock movie, The Birds. It's where they, it's where they filmed that. If you are, if you're one of my uh, Pokemon Go pals, if you're like Berg or Mighty Matt D or like, like Sammy Nightcrawler, I may have sent you a Pokemon Go gift that I got at the, at the Church of the Birds. Look at, um, see if any of them were from Bodega. If so, they were from there. I thought maybe, I thought maybe you might get a kick out of that if you've seen those. It was kind of a, kind of a small local landmark. But this town is like, it's so cute. It's really only, it seems like it's one street as, as you're going through. It's, um, it's, it's very quaint, I guess. It's like one, one main street. They have a post office. There's a coffee shop. There's the, there's the Church of the Birds. There's a restaurant. There's a restaurant that I, uh, I, I think is called Casino. And then there's the, the Northern Lights Surf Shop. That's where that's where you get your boards and stuff. I guess I don't know. I've never been surfing. I've done a little body surfing, but I'm not even I'm not even very good at that. But I am I am a good swimmer. But these are not like these are not like the kind of oceans that you go that you go swimming in. These are like the oceans that you go you go to die in. It was okay. It was 95 degrees in Santa Rosa when we left. When we got. When we got to Bodega Bay, Bodega Bay is the actual city that has the beach in it. I think the beach is called Salmon Creek. We went to Salmon Creek. It was 95 in good old SR. And when we got down to the beach, it was, it was no joke, like 50 degrees. It was so cold. I, I was wearing shorts, which I do every day. And I had like a long sleeve shirt. I thought this would, I thought this would be enough. It was not. But, um, but we had fun. I, I don't go to the beach all that much. I'm not. I'm like my dude Rob from uh, from Radio Free Cybertron. I don't I don't dig the beach. I like the pool, and I, I don't go that much. So I don't really know what to do when we were there. But we we found like a place. We sat down. We watched we watched the surf, and then I saw that other people were gathering up like big pieces of driftwood and building like building like weird sculptures. So I. So I did that for a bit. I I, I kind of I was behind the other guys because they had already gathered up a lot of the good pieces of driftwood. But I was able to I was able to make like a wall that blocked the wind from beating down on us. So I felt I felt pretty handy. I felt like a uh, an old school craftsman building something to uh, protect his family. We brought a frisbee, like uh, engineer Emily on Robotropolis. We brought a, a frisbee, but the wind the wind was so harsh that like. I tossed it to uh, the old wife, and it wound up like thirty yards to her left. It got caught in the wind, and uh, it just like it took off. I've been into frisbees lately. I read this book uh, by about Whammo, the uh, the toy company that invented frisbees. They didn't invent frisbees. Well, it's a it's a complicated story. They they bought to rights to something called the Pluto Platter from the inventor of the Pluto Platter, and they they switched it to they switched it to Frisbee. The Pluto platter was like, it looked like a UFO. And they were kind of banking on the, on the, uh, you know, the UFO deal, the outer space deal that was popular in the 50s. But Whammo, Whammo thought that there was more future in aiming it to like a sports market. They wanted to invent various games that you could play with a Frisbee. They thought that a sport, if they could invent a sport, it would have more legs than the UFO fad. And they were right, man. Frisbees are still in effect. So we took the Frisbee with us and it wasn't, wasn't working that great, but I still had a good time. It was nice to have it be so hot here in SR and then go somewhere that was not hot at all. Very, very cool, very fun. We had a good time. The Then there's Bodega Bay. Bodega Bay is small. I think the population is only like 920 people. I think that's what I, I think that's what I saw on the science. You got Bodega, then you go into Bodega Bay. There was a comic store. There was a comic book store called High Tide Comics, but it was... It was closed. It didn't look like the, didn't look like the kind of store like Comics for the Wind with my man Chris. It looked like the kind of store that they have, they have like a few boxes of used comics and stuff. It was still cool though. I was gonna, I was gonna happily check it out, but it was, 
it was all it was all shut down and I was oh sad not to get to go in there. If you've been to High Tide Comics, hit me up and let me know if it's any fun. It looked a little fun. Maybe like a little a little smudge of fun. It was it was a fun day already, and this extra smudge would have made it like all that much more fun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One last uh one last local thing. The the Rickett Valley All-Stars, the Rickett Valley Little League All-Stars made it two and one. The state championship, that was really great. I remember back in, back in school, and I think I, I may have talked about this in the, this boring life about, uh, excuse me, I have to, I have to adjust in my seat a little bit. The, the seat up there on the Jupiter moon base is so much more comfortable than my, my desk chair down here. I'm always, always, uh, on the fidget, but back in, back when I was at Binkley Elementary, the coolest kids were the kids who were the Rinkin Valley Little League All-Stars. You got these, you got these great hats with, like, a star on it, and it said, like, R-V-L-L. I, I was always so jealous, and I guess those, I guess those are the, the cool kids e- even still, because they, they took it all the way to state, and they won the state championship. So, let's give a, let's give a big shout-out to those guys, the Rinkin Valley Little League All-Stars. They play, like, they play like a mile from from the house here. They uh, they almost lost the the little league stadium during the during the fire. I know I covered this one during the uh, fire stories episode, but uh, a few kids went over there and bulldozed the trench and they saved the place. And this year, this year they won the championship. So so big up to them. I'm always happy to see Rinkin Valley in the news for for something good. Rinkin Valley is the particular part of Santa Rosa that I live in. It's on the it's on the east side of town, on the way out of, uh, the way out toward, toward Sonoma. Let's, let's continue on with a, with a bit of sad news. Wrestling, wrestling superstar Nikolai Volkov passed away this, this past week. It'll be this past few weeks when, when you finally get the chance to hear this. But he was, he was 71 years old and he recently, he had a heart attack and they, they wanted to perform some surgeries that they thought would, thought would extend his life and he declined and sadly he he passed away you gotta listen to uh you gotta listen to your doctor's advice my dudes if they if they want to do heart surgery and they say it's important you should you should probably listen the the character Nikolai Volkov plays was that of an evil Russian he would come down he would sing the Russian anthem and he would he would hang with his homie the Iron Cheek this was this was back in the heyday of the of the Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling, and he was, he was one of the characters on rock and wrestling. I have, I have an LJN rubber Nikolai Volkov, and I have a smaller mini, mini rubber Nikolai Volkov, and I have a thumb wrestler Nikolai Volkov. He, he really had a lot of merch back in the day. He was, he was one of the big stars. Him and the Sheik were, they were tag team champions. If I, if I remember correctly, and this is me just coming off the top of my dome, I think that they, I think that they lost the belts to Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo during the during the very first WrestleMania. Windham and Rotundo were the they were like a patriotic tag team at the time, and they were the ones who finally finally got to defeat the evil the evil Iron Sheik and the evil Nikolai Volkov. The the gimmick where Nikolai would come out and sing the Russian anthem before every match it it really got him over like crazy. People would go bananas when he would. When he would come out and sing this, I, as a kid, I used to watch sports with my dad, and he would like, you know, watch like the Olympiads and all these things. He would, you would see they would play the anthem of, the anthem of various nations before the event, and people would always, they would always stand and be respectful, you know, if they, they would play the Russian anthem at the Olympics, people would stand, and they would show respect to another country. But in wrestling, when he would sing this anthem, dudes would go. They would go, hey, people would be throwing cans of ice or cups of ice at him, rather. They would be, they would be freaking out, and I would always, I'd always think, what a bunch of hillbillies, man. What a bunch of hill folks. You can't, you can't stand when they, when he sings his song. I realize Russia was our enemy, but you gotta, you gotta have some kind of decorum. It shows you, shows you wrestling fans are the worst of the worst. The lowest of the low. I... I myself was never like a Nikolai Volkov fan, of course, because because he was an evil Russian. But I was always impressed by like how big dude was. Dude was like a gigantic, gigantic barrel-chested weightlifter type, and he he seemed to me like somebody who could really 
really smash a dude if he got a if he got a hold of him. I I found out later in life that Nikolai Volkov was a, a real life Russian. He he defected. He defected for political asylum here to the United States. He was a he was a weightlifter, like a power lifter type, and he he fled his country and came here and he got into the wrestling game. I always I knew he was some kind of Eastern European, but I, I did not know that he was he was directly from the USSR, the evil, the evil USSR. I, I appreciate that. He, he made, he made what he was work for him in a, in a wrestling kind of sense. He, he also had a song on the wrestling album, the first ever, the first ever wrestling album. And while, while it was not a good song, for some reason, when I was a kid, I, I really dug it. I, I even, I would even take it as far as to, uh, sing along. It was kind of, kind of not like an opera song. It was, it was a song called Caramia. Let me, let me find that on the drive and play that for a sec. It's, it's kind of fun. take it back it's it's a cool song in a weird sort of way when those when those new wave synths kick in it it takes like this this really surreal quality of Nikolai Volkov's vocals and like like Cindy Lauper style synth it's a it's a wacky song I I like it even still I haven't heard it haven't heard it in a while Nikolai Volkov man you really you really made a uh, dent in pop culture. You were a cartoon star. You were a wrestling star. You were, you were a toy. You were a singer. And we are, we're really sad to see you go. So, with a heavy heart, I, I gotta say, Nikolai Volkov, they reminisce over you. moment at the movies without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you've got icy robots, so that's something, right? You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. He's a bad boy. Go, go, go! Suit up. Mission Impossible Fallout. We, uh, we went to see the latest in the Mission Impossible series, Mission Impossible Fallout, on a Monday morning, and when we got in there, the trailers had already, already started, and it was, it was a bit weird, right? We saw the, the Aquaman trailer, and the, the sound was only coming out of one side, which was, which was kind of weird, but I wasn't sure if maybe this was like, this was like something to do with, like, it being underwater, like maybe they were trying to show like the like the sounds were muffled. I don't know. It was it was weird. So I'm I'm sitting there going, I wonder if it's supposed to to be like this. And I guess I guess we had missed the earlier trailers as well. So the movie the movie just started and the the sound was gone completely. I don't really understand how like the the sound works with like the different the different speakers, but you could hear you could hear some of like the background, like ambient noise of what was going on, but you couldn't hear the you couldn't hear the dialogue or any of the louder special effects or the music or anything. So I'm I'm like sitting there going, I don't know if this is how it's supposed to be or what. I didn't I didn't think that it was supposed to be like this. I kind of knew that there was something wrong, but I'm thinking they'll they'll figure it out in a minute. I guess they'll they'll get to the bottom of it, but I'm sitting there and it goes all the way through the first scene and it's like this. So finally, I'm like, I gotta go and I gotta see if I can find somebody to fix this. So I find some dude standing there. It was actually this guy James, who I knew from back when I used to work at the uh, theater. I think I'm pretty sure Gino Vega knows this guy too. This dude was 
not James Stewart. This guy was a, a founding Broomtang member who also went by the name of James. So we, um, I went up and I talked to James. I said, hey, James, you know, the sound's all weird. Could you, could you tell the, the manager? And he goes, I, I sure will. And he, he goes off and he tells the manager and they, they went up there and I could hear him bumping around in the booth. I was sitting, I was sitting in the back. I could hear him bumping around and stuff. And the, the sound never, never came back on. So I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to do, right? I keep expecting, I keep expecting something to happen. And then, the manager dude, this guy named Chris, who um who I know, he comes in and he goes, Hey, sorry, uh we're we're gonna restart the movie. That's the best thing we can do to start the sound as it should be. He said basically we're thinking like let's reboot it and we'll start and it'll be good. So he did that and then the sound came on. And I realize it's not it's not an exciting story, but it was it was like the first time I've ever gone to the movie and there'd been like a sound issue like that. So it's always, it's always like exciting and rare in your life when something, something completely brand new happens. I apologize for, for that boring story. So we, uh, we're watching the movie and the movie starts. I've only ever seen, I've only ever seen one Mission Impossible movie before. I saw the, uh, I saw the last one, Rogue Nation. It got some, got some really great reviews. So I thought I'd check it out and I thought it was really fun. So I was looking forward to this one. It's not that I have anything against, like, Mission Impossible or whatever, and I'm not, like, I'm not the biggest fan of espionage-type movies. I don't really go for James Bond. It's just my thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't like spy movies that much. The, the spy movie always has, like, twists and turns, like, these plot twists and plot developments, and so, it's so convoluted, and I realize that's what people like about it. You know, they like the intricacies of the plot, and I don't, I don't really go for that, but, um, I, I, I did like the stunts and the action and all that stuff, so we decided to, uh, go check it out. It's kind of like, kind of like Fast and Furious. It's gotten, like, super over the top, you know? It may have, may have started off a bit more grounded. Now, it's like, it is so farcical, and it's so, it's so fun. I, I enjoyed this one, too. The, uh, the basic idea is that there's a bad guy, and he has a nuclear bomb, nay. He has two nuclear bombs, and the, uh, the Mission Impossible team has to find some way to first find the bombs and then defuse the bombs before, before they, you know, before they do their thing. It's pretty, pretty standard spy fare, but the, the set pieces and the action and the crazy stunts are what, like, what really separates it. The movie, of course, as you know, it stars Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, the leader of the, uh, the Mission Impossible crew of, uh, Bing Rames and, of uh, Simon Pegg, who, um, Simon Pegg is, like, he's, like, a co-spy. He does some undercover work, and then, like, Bing Rames, he's, like, he's, like, the tech guy or whatever, and they, they act to support Ethan Hunt, who's out there in the field doing crazy things. Henry Clavel, a.k.a. Superman, is also in it. He plays the, uh, he plays the CIA operative who's working with the team, but he's sort of, like, a rival, Arrival of Ethan Hunt. There's Angela Bassett. I, I thought this was a lot of fun. There are some bananas stunts in this. I, I was like blown away by this one helicopter sequence where first like Ethan Hunt has to climb up a rope and then he gets in the helicopter. This is all, this is all in the trailers. This is the big stunt that they're, that they're showing you. And the whole sequence is, it's amazing. And then I found out that, um, he, he was actually flying the helicopter himself. He's been working for like the last two years to get a helicopter license so that he could start doing crazy, crazy stunt flying in a, uh, in a chopper. Tom Cruise is, he's an interesting actor. He is, he's a very good actor. And I, I do go see just about every movie that he's in. But this guy, he's so crazy with these stunts. He has this this weird quality to him that's almost like, it's almost like he wants to die in a movie. Some of these things he's doing are bananas, and he's just like, he's doing it himself. This guy, this guy is a real piece of work. He, he gets my respect, but also at the same time, he's, he seems like such an odd person. He, he does a really good job of, like, protecting his image, almost to the point where, it's almost to the point where he seems like an android. You know, he's not like, a real person with real person feelings and a real person fears and emotions. He is, he is the perfect Tom Cruise android. If you told me that years ago Tom Cruise passed away and they replaced him with an android, I would not, 
I wouldn't necessarily believe you because such a thing doesn't exist, but at the same time, I would see how something like that does does seem a little bit possible. Uh, what else? Uh, Rebecca Ferguson returns to this movie. She was in the in the last one. She is the um she's the gal spy uh, Ilsa. And there's this guy, this guy Sean Harris. He plays Solomon Lane. I I know him mostly from what was it? Alien, Prometheus, Prometheus. Yeah. He plays the guy who has like those two those two robot orbs that go into into the tunnels to map the tunnels. He calls them his dogs. He's that guy. He plays he plays the villain in this. He he returned from the last movie. I I really like this guy. He has a very peculiar quality about him. He he just talks all weird. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. He kind of talks like this the the entirety of the movie, and I, I I don't know, man. I I like it. I like the gimmick. I think that this um this character that he's that he's playing Solomon Lane. He's a good villain, man. I I wouldn't mind seeing more of him. I wouldn't mind seeing more of Sean Harris. I I just like the way he talks like this. I don't know. I if for whatever reason they decide to make a movie about your your boy Icy Robots, try to. Try to get Sean Harris to play me in the lead because I think that I think that it would be funny. Let's see what's going on over at the uh, at the Tomates right now. the The critics got it at ninety seven, and the people got it at ninety two. This is this is definitely an enjoyable film. If you like spies, if you like Mission Impossible, if you like stunts, if you like any of that stuff, this thing is this is a big time summer movie. It was written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who you might know, you might know him from the last Mission Impossible movie. He's written The Mummy. He wrote Jack Reacher. He wrote, he wrote The Wolverine. He wrote, um, Valkyrie, the movie about the, the assassination attempt on Hitler. He wrote the, uh, he wrote The Usual Suspects. That's, that's a pretty impressive credit. And, the. Uh, the movie's a bit long. It goes one hour and 47 minutes. It it does play pretty long, but there aren't really, like, any wasted moments. It kind of... It just starts, keeps going. It's a lot of fun. I have... I have no complaints. Eh, maybe it could be a bit shorter. I don't know. I always... I always like it when it's a bit shorter, but, um, there's... There's not a whole lot of stuff you can cut out of here because everything is, like... Everything is so big. Everything is so over the top. It... It starts off with a really great scene too. I want to say that the the beginning couple of scenes I thought were dynamite. They had me going like, "What just happened? That was great. I'm enjoying myself." But um by the end of it I was like, "Woo. That was awesome. Bit overwhelming." So, with all that said, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I am going to go ahead and give Mission Impossible Fallout a nice solid 3.5 3. mics. 3.5 mics. This episode of the Toys R Us Report is brought to you by Kellogg's and by Corn Frost. The cereal that possesses the flavor of your lost friends and ancestors watching over you from the distance just to make sure that you are safe. Corn Frost by Kellogg. You made it this far, it's time for the final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. Alright, we are back for the for the final bit, the boring something or another, this and that informational something like that moment. So, like we talked about earlier in the show, we set up this thing, it's called the, uh, it's called the Icy Robots Radio Hotline. You can reach it at 532-JAMS, that is 707 707- 532 jams you can shoot a text you can shoot a voicemail there and i'll get them and if they're straight funky enough i'll i'll read them on the air i'll play them you know just just keep it clean keep it keep it kind of brief keep it left in a minute and uh and you stand a better chance let's see what do we got what do we got in the box i know there is some stuff we got a we got a text from our dude the necrotic doctor over over on twitter that's at Necrotic Doctor, N-E-C-R-O-T-I-C, and then the whole word doctor. He, uh, he said, keep it rad for the summer, Icy Robots. Much props. 
from the necrotic doctor. And then he told me that uh, I'd given out the number wrong and then he sent it to... He sent it to some poor soul and then he also also sent it to me. That's that's my bad. Then we got one from uh we got one from our dude Mighty Mad D. And he says, Hey ISR, it's Mighty Mad D. I uh I love the food talk on this boring life. I am a Mickey D's fan from way back and it seems like everyone hates on them these days. I'm glad to hear you're keeping it real and eating at the Golden Arches. McRibs usually appear in the fall, so so get ready. I I appreciate that. I do, man. I I rep the Golden Arches. I have, I even have like a small collection of Golden Arches type, type stuff. I got some, I got some plates, some plastic collector plates that I use. I got, I got a couple coffee cups. I have a, I have a nice, um, milk glass coffee cup, like an Anchor Hawking McDonald's branded coffee cup. It's actually, it's actually the cup that I am, that I am using now. I, I don't know, man. I just love the uh, the nostalgia of uh, Mickey D's. I usually I often go there on Friday nights before we go um, grocery shopping here on here on Earth at the uh, at the Safeway. I'll I'll roll through there, just kind of grab like a just like a bacon McDouble. As of late, those are only like ninety nine cents. I can really appreciate that, and I appreciate you, Mighty Matt D. And then we uh, I hope you like those Poke gifts I've been sending. By the way, I I really like yours. It seems like you. Seems like you get around. Mine are always from uh, Santa Rosa, maybe Bodega, but yours are like yours are from hither and yon. It appears, but uh, you must work on the road. Must be some kind of must be some kind of traveling salesman. I imagine going around selling brushes. Isn't that what people used to do? Selling brushes out of suitcases. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the next. This one says, "Yo, ISR man, do Johnny Coins have chocolate in the middle?" And this is from Engineer Nerd. I don't know. It's possible. It's entirely possible that they do. He said he was getting getting them created. I wouldn't. I would. You know, now that I'm putting like a little bit of thought into it, they. I don't think that they would go as far as to put chocolate inside of a Johnny coin just because, just because they're robots. You know, they don't. They don't like understand the joy of eating like a like a nice chocolate coin. They. They probably make them out of like the cheapest metal available. Probably like some kind of, some kind of thin aluminum would be my guess. Something. Something that's probably like a not even worth collecting, not like an arcade token, not even, not even like a wooden nickel. That would be, that would be my take on it. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mister Nerd. I appreciate that. I've been waiting on that fish plank. It hasn't hasn't showed up here. I, I've been waiting and I want it. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got a, we got a voicemail. It's from it's from our dude Doug McCoy. Let's let's toss that in here and hear what that sounds like. Hey, this is Doug McCoy from my Crazy Creepy Cool Movies calling uh, the uh, Toys R Us report. Not really to talk to uh, IC Robots. I can talk to him all the time. I, I don't want to talk to any of the, uh, the droids or, or the computer programs either. I want to talk to that hot British chick that is uh, doing all your little intros and outros there. Where did you find her? Oh, Doug McCoy, you, uh, you rascal. Where... Where did I find her? I didn't find her anywhere, man. I guess, I guess that uh, Pooptronics HR probably found her when, when Ensign Melissa was was um was killed by a space flea. She was, she was the replacement that uh, they sent here to work over in Pod B doing data entry. I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess they found her in England. Uh, Doug McCoy does crazy, creepy, cool movies, which is. Which is a super fun podcast. Go go prod him for uh, some new episodes. The the world needs it. I need it. I like it. I appreciate the consistent quality. I I talk to Doug fairly often on on Voxer. That's this uh, this app, this phone app. We we go back and forth. Doug is my he's my spiritual advisor. What else? What else is cooking? If you guys want to get in on this, I would I would love to have you. It's seven zero seven five three two jams J A M S. Give us a call and leave leave a message. Say something fun. Ask me a question. I'll I'll give you my I'll give you my best answer. It'll it'll be fun. You'll be happy. It'll be great. So what else? What else is going on? I still haven't found the Migos over at over at Target. I got a I got an inside source over there on the on the Facebook page. I I think you know who I'm talking about over there. Wink wink. He said there's some things afoot. He said there was like eleven pallets of toys in the back, and I can. I can somewhat verify this. I was over at the, I was over at the Target looking for the Migos. We were going to um, Ohana 
the Hawaiian barbecue place. And I'm like, we got to dip in because they're going to put them out any day now. And when they do, I'll, I'll miss it. So we, we ran up in there and they were in the process of seemingly taking every, like every shelf down. They were, they were really doing a number on the place. Tons of things were on clearance and they were like, they were like pounds and pallets and boxes and tons and tons of toys and boxes. I was, I was walking around and I overheard some some other customer asking one of the uh, one of the guys working there where they might find something. He said, "I'm sorry, I don't really know right now. We we're in the process of doing a complete overhaul of the of the toy section, and this is this is verified by my my Facebook source who says that uh, he knows that they they're going to be stepping it up with." With Toys R Us out of the picture, they're going to be stepping it up in a big way. It looks like it looks like they're going to get rid of everything and start fresh. And I am really looking forward to this. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't right now. I still want to find these these Migos. I need Chekhov. I need Sulu to complete my bridge set. And then I I think I want Jimi Hendrix. I think I want the Bella Lugosi Dracula as well. I also might want Action Man. I don't really want Tootie. I don't really want Alice. I. I don't like the girl Migos too much. They they definitely start to drift into the realm of dolls. And while there is nothing, nothing wrong with a doll, I I don't really like it when an action figure has has rooted hair. It's weird to me. I think that I think that if Alice had like hard plastic hair, like molded hair, I might I might be more apt to buy her. Like like the dude Migos have, but that's that's Migo style. Migos have that rooted hair. I dig it, but I am not so sure I'll be getting them. But it is, it is possible. I do want the ones that I stated though. I really like the, uh, I really like the look of the Bella Lugosi Dracula. Oh, the Fonz. I also might want the Fonz. I told that story about missing out on the on the vintage Fonz back in the uh, day at the uh, at the flea market here in SR. I'm uh, I'm probably gonna keep addressing this Migo. Migo relaunch. I understand they have two waves already set to go. This being the first, and then another wave behind. I think this is great. I think this is really fun. It's something something to look at and be excited about. With with Toys R Us shutting down, and I got I got a pick from my cousin in Australia. He he lives in Adelaide, and he he sent me this pick of of their Toys R Us was set to close in a week. I didn't. I had never really thought about the Australian Toys R Us for some reason. I guess I just lumped them in as lumped them in as safe, but they are they are going away as well. And he sent me a pic of that. You can find that on the Facebook page. That is uh Facebook.com backslash IC Robots. I might also post that over on ICRobots.com. That's that's a nice that's a nice spicy meatball. What else? What else is going on? I, I got a few more G.I. Joes. I can talk about that. I hope that you guys enjoy this G.I. Joe talk. I got I got Dusty. Dusty is a 1985 release. He's the Desert Trooper. He was one he was one I've been saying I wanted. I, I've been poking around eBay. I like to I like to poke around eBay and look for look for bargains. And I found Dusty with his backpack for $8.99 chip. So I got that. I got that really quick, and then I went over to this other eBay store that I like to use that um that sells accessories, and I found Dusty's gun, and I got that for two ninety nine. It had another two dollars, so it's like four dollars altogether. So I got I got Dusty, and I was able to complete him for roughly like thirteen dollars. And if you look online, he'll he'll sometimes go for as high as thirty five bucks. Dusty is he's pretty neat. He has he has like this desert camouflage kind of motif, and he has a he has a piece of fabric on the back of his helmet to like protect his neck from the sun. He was the he was the first of the uh, real American heroes to have that to have that fabric in him, and I I think that's kind of neat. I always wanted him. I didn't I didn't have him in the day. He was one that I he was one I had my eye on. So I I was happy to pick him up. And then I went over I went over to this store in Rinkin Valley. It's called Legati's Comics and Games. I haven't I haven't talked about them before. I. I'm not really sure why. It's a it's a fine store. It has a lot of good stuff in it. I think I think the prices are a little bit high sometimes, but I understand uh, you know that's how it is in the in the world of retail. So I I don't go over there as much as I would as I would like. I like to be supportive to a uh, comic or a toy store. It's all it's all vintage stuff. He has a lot of great toys. He has tons of comics. I've bought I bought a butt ton of his Archies. He has. He has some comics at a high price. He has dollar comics. If I 
If I go and I look around and I don't find anything to buy, I'll always buy some dollar comics. Just to, just, you know, it's not a museum. You gotta help out. So I bought a lot of these dollar Archies, but he's had a... He has like a small display of um, loose G.I. Joe's that I that I have my eye on. And I noticed that he had Chuckles. Chuckles is the G.I. Joe CIA operative. In the movie, he was played by Don Johnson. He had the voice of Don Johnson. I like I like Chuckles. He has like a Hawaiian shirt and some some khaki pants. And he has a holster with a pistol. I I was able to pick up Chuckles for eight dollars from Ligotti. And then he has like a small bin of accessories that are all a dollar each. And I. I kind of dug around in there a little bit. I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get a decent eye for these accessories. And I was able to find Chuckles' is, I was able to find his holster, not his gun, only his holster. So I got that for another, another dollar. I'm looking online to find, to find his gun at an affordable price. But it's a pistol. It's a very small pistol. And it seems like, seems like it's easily lost. And the, the prices on it are a, a bit high. So until then, I, I have him on my shelf, but I have him kind of angled away, so it looks like he's reaching into his holster. But you can't, you can't see that there's no gun in there. I, I'm pretty pleased with that so far. It was nine dollars, and then I, then I dug around inside of uh, Legati's accessory bins, and I was able to find the backpack and the computer for mainframe for two dollars, dollar each. I have, I have a loose mainframe at home, so I was able to complete him for another two dollars. So I got, I got Dusty, I got mainframe, and then I also got Chuckles, all all within a couple days. I'm pretty pleased about that. I don't have any G.I. Joes on order right now, or any parts on order. I'm I'm kind of laying off. There's only so many that I want, and once I finish this, I'll have to, like, I'll have to go on to some other obsession. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to take it slow, but I do have my eye on Buzzer. There's this, there's this Buzzer on eBay. He's one of the dreadnoughts. He's the one with the long, long blonde ponytail and the sunglasses. He has, he's the one with the chainsaw. He's the, he's the last of the G1 dreadnoughts that I need. The dreadnoughts are, they are Zartan's a biker gang affiliates. I, I like them. I've always thought they were funny. I think they're funny in the comics, how they always eat uh, donuts and grape soda. And I, I thought they were really great in the, in the TV show when they formed, uh, formed Cold Slither. Was there ever a Cold Slither action figure set? Even, even like a convention exclusive or something? I don't even know. Is there? Let's, let's, uh, let's log on to the, the AOL and we'll go to, we'll go to the world's biggest marketplace, eBay, and we will, uh, let's, let's right, take an You've got mail taken longer than I anticipated. I am away from the mic or phone right now. I apologize. I am, I'm leaning in. I did a bit of, um, did a bit of typing and I came back. I hope that, I hope that you can, you can appreciate that. Um, let's see. Cold Slither. There are, there is like a Cold Slither version of Zorana that was a, uh, was a convention exclusive. It's basically Zorana in all black. It's a nice figure. I would, I would like to have that. They never, they never made the whole band, I guess. Um, let me, let me do a wider, wider search and we'll, we'll see. Um, a lot of customs and stuff, I guess. Um, uh, let's see. Did, here's something Joe Fest with cold slither figures, I guess. I guess these were customs too. Lots of really great customs, but no official ones. I, I imagine that there will be at at some point. And I'm actually surprised that there wasn't like a Joe Fest or like a like a collector club exclusive box set. That would that would be dope. I want them in the I want them in the scale of the absolute original a real American hero Joe's. I want like 1982 brittle plastic, no, no twisty arms, nothing like that. I'm just kidding, but I do want them. I do want them at a real American hero scale when they come out. I I went to another wrestling show. I'm not gonna hit the I'm not gonna hit the wrestling alert because it's not gonna be that long of a story, don't worry. There was there was a Lucha Libre show. That's the uh wrestling from south of the border over at the over at the veterans building. There was like a big banner up that said Farmers Market 
Lucha Libre. There's a farmer's market in the morning, Lucha Libre at night. Um, My boy Gino Vega's friend John commented, overpriced eggs and armed rags. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. I, I went to both. I went to the farmer's market in the morning. We bought... We bought some nectarines that were really good. We got some really small potatoes that were that were really good. We got a uh, pour over coffee that I thought was that I thought was great. And I had my eye on and this dude there was selling steaks and these steaks looked they looked terrific. I I really wanted one super bad. I love I love a steak, but I I didn't uh, I didn't get one. I don't know why. Sometimes you just like a steak would be delightful right now, but. It's better to go a little bit of a longer distance between steaks just to just to appreciate the steak to the uh to the maximum that you can. So we went there and then we then we went back home for a couple hours. We actually played with Play-Doh a little bit, me and the uh the old wife. We kinda we kinda goofed around with that for a few minutes. Then we went back we went back to the uh veterans building for the for the Lucha Libre. The reason we went was that the biggest draw in all of Lucha Libre, this this guy that goes by the name of L.A. Park, otherwise known as La Parca. You might know him. He was in WCW. He dresses he dresses like a skeleton. He hits people with chairs. He he plays a chair like a guitar. He's he's the biggest draw in all of Mexico right now. And he was gonna come he was gonna come do a fight in Santa Rosa. I had to be there. The tickets were the tickets were only twenty bucks, which was which was awesome too, and it's not even a big building. So we we went down there. I bought my tickets online, and I, I went to tournament. It seems like I may have been the only guy to do this because when I when I presented the the printout of the ticket to them, they they were flabbergasted. And in the in the mix up, they somehow gave us they gave us ringside tickets, even though we only ordered even though we only ordered general admission. I. I am not one to take advantage of situations like this, but the the front row, it wasn't like the ringside as in directly front row. This was like the ringside section. It was rows, rows three through five, and they were they were in no way full. Most people only most people only got the general admission. General admission was packed, the right up front was packed, but this like this really great middle section was empty, so I didn't feel like I was taking a seat from somebody. So we we stayed there and this was like this was maybe the closest I've ever been to a wrestling show. The The ringside area was really small, so the the chairs were seemingly, like, right up against the ring. We were, we were super close. If I was, if I was the type to, like, want to stick my arm out to get a high five from the wrestlers, I would have completely been able to do so. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to stick my arm out and go, yo, LaPark, give me a high five and have him, like, look at me and just sort of, front and walk by. I can't stand the rejection, so I don't even, I don't even try. The wife did. She, she got her, got a high five from LaPark, which I, which I appreciated. He, he put on a pretty good show. I was, I was, um, I was a little surprised. I thought maybe, because this is like a small show in a small town, he might sort of, he might sort of mail it in. And he's not like, he's not like the most athletic worker in the, uh, universe at this point. But he put on a really fun show. He did all of his, all of his signature spots. He hit some people with chairs. He played the chair like a guitar. He did the strut. It was fun. For 25 bucks, we, uh, I mean, 20 bucks, you know, like 25 probably with the, with the, uh, service charge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's probably accurate. We had, we had a super good time. We had some nachos. We watched like five, five Lucha Libre matches. And then as we were, uh, we were getting up to leave, I looked over and like like two seats down from me was this guy Vinny Massaro, who's he's kind of a big name local wrestler. I've been watching this dude on the local circuit for I don't know maybe maybe twenty years. He used to be a, a big wheel in the uh, APW back when that was in effect and out of out of Hayward. And now he's done some he's done some national stuff. I saw him just like I saw him just the week before on Lucha Underground on El Rey. He got. He got slammed onto a pizza and was defeated. And I, I turned around. I'd been sitting next to dude for the whole time. And I said, hey, man, you're Vinny Massaro. And he he perked up like, oh, great. A, uh, you know, somebody somebody knows who I am. He, he's probably sitting there thinking, I've been here this whole time. And this guy doesn't even recognize he's sitting next to uh, the legendary Vinny Massaro. But I did. I did recognize him. And I, I talked to him for a little bit. He was super nice. Really Really cool guy. He gave me a dap. He gave me a fist bump. He, he was cool, man. He smiled. He was he was happy. He stood up. He stood up and talked to me. He was a uh, he was a cool guy. I I appreciated meeting meeting Vinny Massaro at the end of the uh, Lucha Libre night. It was like 
like a nice cap on the whole thing. Here's here's something interesting. In a few of the matches, the bad guys were like evil border patrol agents. And in one situation, they even had their own referee that came down with them. This referee, I forget his name, Rusty, Rusty something or another was, he's like very short, very stout. And he, he played the role of the villainous referee. So to the T, he had... He had suspenders he kept pulling on and he kept pretending like he doesn't see it when the uh when the the ice agents were cheating. He doesn't see it when doesn't see it when the luchadors go for a pin. He only sees it when like his guys go for a pin, but in the end, the luchadors prevailed. So there was there was uh, there was like a happy ending to that. The the kid 2.0 didn't want to come and I I kind of felt like after after that great New Japan show that I I didn't want to have her get get like Get like yucked out on wrestling by watching some uh, third-rate Lucha Libre show at the Veterans Building, but it turned out to be great. She should have come. She would have had a great time. The audience was fun. They were, they were blowing those horns and shaking those shaker things. I had a great time, man. I'll, I'll definitely go back again. This is my second time seeing the Lucha at the Veterans Building. The last time we saw Atlantis, we saw, we saw the villainous El Hijo del Trump. We saw him get defeated. We saw him get his wig knocked off. This time he got to see some ICE agents knocked out. Real interesting, real interesting, super, super fun show. I, I like any event that is, that is inside Santa Rosa. I only had to go like five, ten minutes to the, to the vet's building. So I, I don't know, man. Like, and then the next day I went to the flea market at the vet's building. I was thinking how wacky that was. I'm like, I am always at this. I am always at this silly place. I, I guess I like it. I don't know. I like, I like local things. What else? I don't know. I found... I found a couple Star Warses at the at the flea market the other day. I got the uh, I got the Hoth uh, Rebel Trooper. I got Bib Fortuna, and I got I got the Emperor. These are I'm thinking like what is that? That's like Bib Fortuna is from Return. The uh, Hoth is from Empire, and the the Emperor is from Return. I was I was pretty stoked. This guy had them all. He had them in a bag. I I picked up the bag, and I'm like, look, there's three real Star Warses amongst all these. Amongst all these other weird Star Wars parts. And I, I said, how much do you want for these? Like six bucks. I'm like, hey, here you go. Here's six bucks. And I, only, and I only want these three. So I took them out and I gave them back. And he he seemed pretty happy. He's like, I'll, I'll sell these again. I'm like, good for you. He also had a he also had a chicken walker. I I think those are from Return as well. I, I kind of liked it. I think he wanted $10 for it. But I, I wasn't sure if it... If it had a hatch or not. This one was like opened on the top. I'm away from the mic right now. I'm I'm looking for the uh the info on the on the chicken walker. Yeah. It looks like no, I don't know. No, there is there's supposed to be a hatch, but you know what? It looks like that hatch was actually actually there. I don't think that it closes all the way. I am not an expert at all in Star Wars's vehicles by by any stretch, I don't even know what the official name ATST. That's what a, that's what a chicken walker is. Those are those uh, two-legged ones. I I like those. I I might buy that if I go. This is the other flea market, the Sebastopol flea market. If I go down there and he has it next week, I might, I might see if he'll take like five bucks for it. I I think he probably ended up selling it. He had like he had like a neat bin with a bunch of Star Wars vehicles. He had a chicken walker. I saw. I think I saw like parts of an A wing, and I think. I think it was uh, the Dagobah playset, but only only in parts. And I don't even know if, like, when I see these things, I never know if they're if they're complete. I don't know all the parts. I don't know. I don't know a ton about vintage Star Warses. I can recognize them to a degree, but I don't know. I don't know all the parts. So I, I think he wanted like thirty for the whole thing, but I am just like I don't even want to get involved with this. I don't. I don't have room for Chicken Walker, but I do have room. For these three figures, I gotta get the guns for them. Uh, one of them has a pistol. Bib Fortuna is... He's that blue grody guy that hangs out with Jabba the Hutt in um, Jabba the Hutt's uh, playset. I I put him inside the Jabba the Hutt playset box that I have. That's the only boxed... Only boxed Star Warses that I have is the Jabba the Hutt playset. I, I don't know what else is going on. I think that... I think that that might, uh, that might be it. Let's see. So check us out... Check us out over on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash Icy Robots. Check me out on Twitter. That's at Icy Robots. I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S. Check us out on Instagram. That's the, that's the same thing. Check out Classic Wrestling Matches and Mags over on Facebook. It's, it's one of my favorite, 
One of my favorites, they are a, they're a sponsor to the page. They're terrific. They post all kinds of after mags and all kinds of, all kind of fun stuff. If you haven't had enough wrestling in, in your life and on the show lately, I hope you're cool with the wrestling talk. I kind of, I try to tie it all in together. So I'm not just like giving you like, I'm not just like giving you the G1 stats. I'm not talking about how the, I don't talk about how the B block is going and if um, Kenny Omega is still undefeated. I hope I'm just like spinning a yarn about, uh, about what I'm doing. So make sure, this is probably the most important thing this week. Go over and call us at 707-532-JAMS. Leave a message. I'll, I'll play it on the show. Keep it brief, like less than a minute. Try to be funny. Tell us a joke. Tell a story. Ask me a question. Ask me a question would be great. I'll... I'll do my best. You can even send in a text. Text me a question. I'll I'll do whatever. 532-JAM, 707-532-JAMS. This is me, Icy Robot, signing off for... I don't know what I'm signing off for. I made this one uh, I made this one all by myself using sound bites. I'm down here on the Earth base. It's boring. What are you going to do? Don't know how long it's going to be until they get the... Until they get... Ba- don't know how long it's going to be until they take care of those space fleas. So until... Until next time, if you don't know, now you know. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported indie If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, Please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. ELE. That's right, ELE. What does ELE stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. KBHK TV44, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, Bay Area Cable 12.